Hello and welcome to another episode of the e-commerce Money Map Podcast. I have an amazing guest for us. Her name is Amber Hines. Amber, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Really looking forward to really picking your brain on an interesting topic. But before we go there, just want to quickly share with folks your bio. Amber is the CEO of Equalize Digital Inc. It's a certified B Corp that specializes in WordPress accessibility and maker of accessibility checker plugin and the lead organizer of the WordPress Accessibility Meetup and WordPress Accessibility Day Conference. So through her work at Equalize Digital, Amber is striving to create a place where all people have equal access to information and tools on the internet, regardless of ability. So since 2010, so she's been at it in terms of uh, building websites and web applications for nonprofits, K-12, has led many teams building websites and uh, web applications for businesses of all sizes. So what is website accessibility, Amber? So simply put, an accessible website is a website that can be used by all people on all devices. But really what we're talking about is making websites that work well for people with disabilities who don't use websites the way a typically abled person might. Perhaps they can't use a mouse and they're using only their keyboard. Or if they can't see, they might be using something called a screen reader, which reads out the content of the website and allows them to navigate around. Having captions on videos or transcripts for podcasts allows someone who is deaf to consume that content. It's a really wide variety of people, including some people who we don't think of as disabled or people who might not even identify as that. So someone maybe who has ADHD or has dyslexia and has challenges reading in certain scenarios, they can have difficulties on websites. And so website accessibility is really ensuring that our websites can reach as many people as possible, no matter how they're engaging with the web. Hmm. And why is it important? Like for the listener, the viewer watching this and like, wow, interesting website accessibility. I am very new to it, Amber, myself. And like, and they may be, and they're like, okay, why is this important? Yeah, sure. So I think, you know, probably later on, we might dive into some of the laws. The short stick side of things is that website accessibility mm. is actually required legally. But on the benefit side, if you think about this as a online store owner or a business owner of any kind that has a website, allowing your website to reach everyone increases your potential audience, which of course means more traffic to your website. There's a lot of overlap in between accessibility and search engine optimization best practices. So accessible websites might rank better in Google, might bring more people to the website. Then of course, it would be easier for them to take the actions you want them to take, whether that's adding products to the cart and checking out or signing up for an email newsletter. So we have a lot of benefits on that side. And then it can reduce operational costs for businesses. So if somebody can self-serve on the web, they can buy products on the web, then they might not come into the store, a physical store, in order to make a purchase. And that means you don't have to pay a staff member to either answer the phone and help them over the phone or help them in person in your brick and mortar store. And so you have a lower operational cost because they can self-serve in that way. 
And then, of course, you know, if, if you're a company that has diversity, equity, and inclusion statements or who is interested in giving back to the community, this is a way that you can live those corporate values by having mm. an accessible website. Wow, so interesting. And really, I mean, you know, we're talking about e-commerce and in that space, but really, what I'm kind of hearing you, it applies to all businesses, it seems, across all industries. It really does. And even nonprofits, there are requirements for accessibility for nonprofits. And, and I think even particularly some nonprofits, they might serve audiences that have a higher percentage of people with disabilities. And so that's where that might come in. But e-commerce really applies to everyone. And the funny thing with e-commerce, especially post-COVID or during COVID, one thing to think about is that sometimes people with disabilities have a harder time getting out of their house. I mean, not everyone. Some people with disabilities are extremely mobile, but some people or even the elderly, they might have a hard time, you know, going out and going shopping. And so they might be more likely to participate in e-commerce and to buy things online because it mm. is harder for them to get to a store in person. So really, e-commerce businesses need to think about this as a way to you know, provide their products to people who might not even be capable of coming into the store. Key. Makes a lot of sense. All right. So from a legal standpoint, give us like the high level 30,000 foot view or, you know, in terms of requirements around so, website accessibility. The 30 foot view, and of course I'm not an attorney, I'm just someone who studies this. So this is not legal advice, but the high level view is that there are laws worldwide that require both nonprofit and government, but also for-profit businesses to have accessible websites. Here in the United States, the most common is the Americans with Disabilities Act. This requires for-profit businesses to have accessible websites. In Ontario, there's the Accessibility with Ontarians with Disabilities Act. That one can actually come with a $100,000 per day fine to the business and $50,000 per day to directors or executives of the business if they don't have an accessible website. In Europe, the European Accessibility Act is going to start taking enforcement in June 2025. So if you are located in Europe or you serve or sell to a lot of people in Europe, then that will also require you to have an accessible website. So give us a few things that, you know, a viewer, they've got their website, right? What are a few things that they need to look at or a few things to kind of to move in the direction of making their website accessible? Sure. So, I mean, the first thing I always recommend is using a testing tool. There's a number of free testing tools. You mentioned ours for WordPress, but there's also browser-based tools. A popular one is called Wave that you can install and just get a check to find some problems. Another really great way, like I mentioned, a lot of people can't use a mouse. So go through your website with only the keyboard. That would mean using the tab key to move around and the enter or spacebar key and make sure you can do everything on your website that you would want to do with a mouse, that you can do it if you don't use a mouse. So really anyone with no technical skill can check for this. And then depending on what you find, you may or may not have to pull in a developer to help you fix things. But there's also a lot from the content standpoint. So thinking about adding alternative text for images, 
This is text that describes what's visually in the image, which is really important on an e-commerce shop that we're adequately describing what products look like to someone who cannot see them. And pretty much any, whether it is WooCommerce or Shopify or Squarespace or Magento, like any one of the other um, shopping cart platforms make it very easy for any non-technical person to add these descriptions for images. That can make a really big difference for people who are low vision or blind, adequately describing products, making sure we're using meaningful links. So don't link things like learn more or click here because that doesn't mean anything to someone who doesn't have the surrounding context. So make sure you're including meaningful content in your link anchor text so that people know where links are going to go. Wow. You know, lawsuits against businesses in the U.S., yeah, that have inaccessible websites. Yeah, they've been increasing. What can businesses do to avoid getting sued? Yeah, so actually in the United States, the way the Americans Disabilities Act is enforced, it is, is with lawsuits. It's not fines from the government. It's written in a way that people with disabilities have to sue in order to get websites to become accessible if the business isn't responsive when they are asked to fix them. I mean, the best way to avoid a lawsuit is to start thinking about accessibility and rolling it into your marketing strategy. I've spoken to multiple attorneys who said having an accessibility statement on the website that explains, you know, what the current status is, maybe some things that are being worked on. Like if you know, well, I've never thought about accessibility. I ran a, a tool or I had a professional check my website and they told me these things were wrong and you have to figure out over time you're going to fix it, right? Nothing happens overnight. So if you say that and then you tell people how they can get help, that can be protective against a lawsuit because it shows people that you're trying and it gives them an avenue to request support that they need. And then I would really say, like, just start building in, even if you aren't necessarily going back in time, but like trying to figure out what can we do from this point forward to improve accessibility. And then I would really touch on like the main places or things that you want people to do on the user journey. So maybe you're not fixing the descriptions or adding alternative text to every image in your product catalog, but you can certainly make sure that the header and the navigation and the site search works and is accessible for people. You can also, you know, ensure that anyone can add something to the cart and check out, right? What are those key parts of the user journey? That's where I would really start. And then you can go back in time and say, okay, this product that, you know, maybe we don't sell as much of is going to be lower priority than the product that gets a lot of traffic off of Google and that a lot of people purchase. We're going to try and make sure the landing page for that product is really accessible. And then you just kind of take baby steps and you work on it over time. It's just like I mentioned it. It helps search engine optimization. Well, it's very like that in the same way. You're never done with SEO right? Mm. It's a journey and you're constantly mm -hmm. like tweaking mm. and reviewing things and making changes and accessibility is the same way. Mm. Got it. And so kind of segueing a little bit, you started a company a few years back and you provide this. Mm -hmm. Is it a monthly service that you provide? Uh, is it a SaaS company? Yeah. So we have a couple of different offerings. We have our WordPress plugin, which there's a free version on wordpress.org. If you just search Equalize Digital Accessibility Checker, or if you go to our website, you can get the pro version. 
And that is a plugin that really helps people to test and find problems mm. on their website. Uh, so it's very much like the SEO plugins that scan. And then mm. on each page, it'll give you a report and say, here's what you need to do to fix accessibility. So we have that plugin. We also do offer accessibility auditing and remediation, which is a productized service is the best way I would put that because it is custom for each website, but it is a monthly subscription plan that people can sign up for at different tiers, depending upon how urgent their needs are. Someone who's mm. getting sued typically says, I want to put more hours into this every month versus somebody who is just like interested in making things more accessible. And it also depends a little on the size, but each month we help and we're here to support and provide training and guidance for teams as well as part of these plans. Great. Good to know. And yeah, in a couple of questions, I kind of want to ask you as an entrepreneur, you know, what your experience has been being in business, kind of like some big challenges or so forth. But before we go there, as part of your description, I read and, you know, it was in your bio that you're a certified B Corp, B as in boy. Why did you decide to become a certified B Corp or like what are the benefits that the viewer listener may consider making their organization a certified B Corp? Sure. So I founded the company originally with my husband. We now have another partner and we have investors. But when we first started the company, we spent a lot of time, you know, we read Start With Why by Simon Sinek. And, and mm. we spent a lot of time thinking about our why statement and, you know, why we were doing what we were doing. And we came up with corporate values. And so we had those. And along the way, we sort of started to think about the certified B Corporation because I had met another business owner at a conference who introduced the idea to me. And we really liked that when you go through the process of becoming a certified B Corporation, there's a whole assessment that you have to take. And then they have an, in, an auditor from the B Corporation process that comes in and they review your employee handbook. They looked at our financial records to see who our clients and customers, like, were we making money off the legal things, right? Or things that are mm -hmm. ethically challenging. They looked at our sustainability practices and a lot of that kind of stuff. And so we really liked that this was a way to show that our corporate values were not just lip service, right? Like someone mm -hmm. outside of us said, yes, they are living these corporate values. So that's right. what motivated us to do it initially. What we've seen primarily is two main benefits. The first one has been on the employment side. So when we post jobs, we'll describe the work of B Corp. We'll link over to, we have a page on their website that shows our score and all of that kind of stuff. We have an open employee handbook that we provide to people even before they work for us. And so I think that has helped us to attract better job candidates because people mm. know that they're going to be working somewhere that actually cares about mm. them as employees. And it, we're not just trying to benefit our own bottom line. Mm. And then along that same side, there has definitely been some marketing benefit. You'll notice if you're in the grocery store and you look at packaged goods, companies that are certified B Corps from very, very large companies like Ben & Jerry's to very small local food products or other non-food like consumer products, they'll usually put the logo on their websites and on their product packaging. Because there are consumers out there that are really interested in purchasing products and services from companies that 
do more and give back to the community or care about sustainability. And so that logo is one that can provide some marketing value or can just help with decision making when you're standing right there comparing the labels of two different products. Right, right. That's great. How many employees do you guys have? So we are a pretty small team. We have six full-time employees and we work with a handful of other contractors, sort of depending mm. upon the need. But we're a small agency, but mighty. <laughs> I like that. And the way you described it, you've been at it for a few years, but you know, that's like some of the things that you've done is those are, you know, things that we've seen a very mature company and I've interacted with like thousands of businesses from startups to very mature multi-million dollar companies. And like, you've got some of the elements of a very mature company. So good for you guys that you've created an incredible company, a mighty company, as you say. Oh, thank you. <laughs> in thank the, you. In a yeah, few I mean, years. We, it's, it's been sort of a fun journey. You know, this Equalize Digital was a pivot for us from just being a marketing agency and really realizing, and it was very intentional in deciding both what our branding would be and our products and service lines with the idea of trying to grow. So it's nice to hear that it seems like we're moving in the right direction. So. Right, right, right. Wow, this is incredible. Ember, anything else, any final words of wisdom, your own experience as an entrepreneur or the service that you provide to your clients? Yeah, you know, I think the other, the only other thing that we haven't talked about today that I really always like to emphasize is that it's really important to get people with disabilities involved in the process. So whether you come to a company like mine and you hire, you know, we have blind people who can test websites or whether you reach out to your own customer base, you might be surprised mm. all the time. I'll talk to people where they're like, I didn't realize X, Y, Z. And then I had a customer mm. tell me he's colorblind. And he couldn't tell the difference between the red and the green, right? Right. Or different people in your audience. And so if you reach out to those people and ask them for feedback or mm -hmm. hire testers that can come in and test things, I think it's really helpful because we really want to get real feedback from real people. And you'll start to personalize it in a way that maybe, you know, if you're trying to figure out how to define budget and determine like how much do we put to this, how important it is. When you can connect it with a real person who's already in your audience or could be in your customer audience, if only your website worked for them, it makes it easier to really understand how important accessibility is. Mm, incredible. What's the best place? How can someone connect with you? Sure. So if you go to equalizedigital.com, that is my website. I am most active on Twitter and I am at Hey Amber Hines, which is H-E-Y-A-M-B-E-R-H-I-N-D-S. And those are probably the two best ways to contact me. Awesome. Amber, thank you so much. I really enjoyed a lot. I feel like I learned a lot uh, about a very niche topic or a specialized topic that I unfortunately didn't know much about. So, and I think our well, listeners I'm are going to feel the same way. I'm glad, I appreciate you having me on and that we were able to introduce you and your listeners to a new topic. Awesome. Good. You take care. Thanks for listening to the e-commerce money map podcast. If you'd like to hear more episodes, you can find them at ecommercemoneymap.com or on your favorite podcast directory. Don't forget to like and subscribe. 
If you want to learn more about the e-commerce accounting hub, visit ecommerceaccountinghub.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time on the e-commerce money map podcast.